0: Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. The ...to find out what God says. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and 11, if you want to stand with me for the reading of the word. Paul is writing to the Corinthians here in the New King James Version I'm reading out of today where he says, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you, our heart is wide open, and you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for, and this is where the Lord starts separating some things, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawless, lawlessness? <laughs> And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Everybody say, I am the temple. I am the temple. I am the temple. I am the temple. You are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be degree, my people. Typically is, Verse 17 says, therefore, and that word therefore simply <coughs> means for that reason. So since hasn't been enticed to behave, he's dwell in us and walk amongst us and we be our God and we are his people. Do the right for that thing, reason therefore come the out from among them and be treated for some says kind of Lord. reward for good behavior. Do not touch what is unclean. And I'm not will here you. to
1: preach against rewarding you you children for good behavior. I think
0: it's 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 a good thing. Almighty. I can remember being in grade school, we're gonna read the first verse and the teacher would say, Hey, if everybody's good today. Love, Johnny's mom brought him cupcakes because it's Johnny's and birthday Perfection and if everybody is good today we're going to bring those cupcakes. Out, I just want to teach a lesson. And we're going to skip such and such a class and we're going to have a little party for Johnny. You'll like understand. she would have not had the party for Johnny if we were a bunch of terrorists. But even at a young age we learn what it feels like to take a bribe. We learn what it feels like to be rewarded for good behavior, for doing the right thing, for following the orders. Now, like I said, there's nothing wrong with that, but I had a different experience growing up. My father, I don't believe I ever remember him ever rewarding me for doing the right thing. Hey, Doug, if, if you'll do this by the time I get home from work, I'll do this for you. No, my dad worked on the opposite principle of that. If you don't take care of this, by the time I get home, I will take care of you. Anybody else have a dad like that? My dad never beat me, but he just didn't feel like it was his responsibility to reward me for doing what I should be doing in the first place. You, you live in this house, son, I don't expect you to go to work, I don't expect you to, to do a lot of things, but there's some things around here that need to you need to be responsible for, that you need to do, and if you don't follow the expectations, then there's going to be some problems when I get home. Now, seeing both sides of that, I've experienced both sides, and I have to say I kind of enjoy I kind of enjoy the first way of being rewarded for doing something that that I should be doing rather than being punished for not doing what I should be doing. I, I feel like that gives me a little bit more incentive, although some of the whoopings I got from my dad, that was incentive enough not to get another one of those. And so you can see that both ways, both ways tend to have some good qualities about them. Our God is a God of love. We know that, we understand that, we preach that, we teach that. He loved you. He loves you enough to die on Calvary. He loved you enough to send his son who became flesh, God manifested in the flesh, who went to the cross at Calvary, who bled and died, who suffered the agony of crucifixion. He is obviously a God of love, but there is another side to that God. He did that with the purpose to offer us the plan of salvation. He went to Calvary with the purpose of making a way where there was no way. But not everybody is going to accept that plan. Not everybody. And one day, the God of love, who is also a God of truth and a God of justice, will one day call it all even, and he's going to say, listen, here's where we're at. You did not do what I asked you to do. You did not receive what I prepared for you to receive, and therefore, now I have become the God of judgment. One of the preachers said, and I've quoted him several times even not too long ago, heaven's going to be a bargain no matter what price you pay to get there. I'm telling you, sometimes we are fighting some fights on this earth and you wonder, is it worth it? I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's going to be worth it. Heaven is going to be worth it. I love the old song that we sing; the church really responds w- well to it. Amen. It's going to be worth it all. Why? Because it doesn't matter what kind of pain or agony or defeat that you may suffer while you're here on this earth. There is coming a time where all that's going to be washed away, just like a mother who's travailing in birth and she has those labor pains. Amen. She's going through some of the worst pain she'll ever go through in her her natural life, uh, delivering that child. But the moment that that child is laid in her arms, she forgets all about the pain. That's why a woman can have the second child and the third child and the fourth child, where if it were me or some other man in this place, there'd be a lot of families in here with one child only. <laughs> I'm telling you, our women are tough. But they're tough because of the love that they have for that child. What a beautiful thing. Popular opinion today is that everybody's going to make it to heaven, but sadly not everyone will wind up there. It's a place for the faithful and the righteous and the holy and those that have been Purchased and sold out completely to God and His Word. Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of the Father is what the Bible says. We must know the will of the Father. We must not just know it. We must follow the will of the Father. When I was a kid, I had uh, the great fortune of growing up having grandparents who were farmers. You all know this by now, uh, for the sake of those that may not. Uh, you know, from the time I was just about, well, from the time that I can remember, we would go over to Grandma and Grandpa's house and play around the farm and climb up into the soybeans or the wheat and, and play in the bins and and just run around here and there, balance on the fences and, and help Grandpa feed the cows and all those things. I mean, Having a farm life growing up is not something that my children have been able to experience. My kids, uh, we've moved around several times due to ministry or whatever, and, and uh, they've never experienced what it's like to grow up out on a farm like I was able to experience as a, as a kid. And I, I've had uh, fresh chicken on the supper table. I, I've experienced that, that earlier in that day was running around in the yard. I watched Grandma take a hatchet to that chicken. She had this old stump and with two nails sticking up out of it, and uh, she'd driven a couple of nails into kind of like a little V. And she would take that chicken and put that neck right in there. And next thing I knew, we had chickens flopping around the yard for a while. Grandma'd take that chicken, pluck it, you know, stick in that hot water, everything that she did, prepare it. And later on that evening, that was going to be supper. I know what it's like to have a steak from a cow that I used to have a name for. <laughs> oh, he's so cute. He's just a little calf, little blackie, little whatever you call him, you know, what? whatever. Names like Tasty and <laughs> Fritter. What a beautiful thing it is. But one of the simple pleasures that, that I had growing up on the farm was the milk. And the milk was always so good. It, I, you know, I, I've, I don't know what's happened to me. I, I'm now I'm down to the 2% milk. I don't like the whole milk. It seems a little bit too thick for me. I, I've become citified, I guess. I don't know what the, what the problem is. But, but the milk that I used to drink as a kid over on the farm, it made whole milk seem like water, I mean, I can remember watching Grandpa milk the cow, and he'd, the, that milk would go down in that pail, and he'd get that milk in that pail, and then he'd have me carry that warm milk over to the house, and Grandma would take it and pour it out of the pail into this big, big glass jar that, that she had there in the kitchen. And, and after a little while, you would watch as that milk began to separate and the cream would rise to the top of that milk, and Grandma would take that cream, and sometimes she would, she would uh, stir it back in and let us have that rich, sweet milk just like that, and sometimes she would allow that cream to rise back up, and, but you had to drink it quick because that cream would, would consistently go back up and separate from, from the milk that was below. It, it, it didn't... They mix. And so, grandma would have that out there. And nowadays, the milk that we get, we don't have to worry about that. You don't have to shake the milk jug and get the cream mixed back into the milk. No, you just pour it out because our milk today has been homogenized. That's a process that they put the milk through so that the cream does not get separated from the milk. They go through a process called emulsification. And what that is, is that breaks down the cream to the point that it will no longer separate from the milk. It's blended in. You you can't tell where one thing begins and another thing ends. And I use this illustration to make this point. There is an all-out onslaught against the church to become homogenized. There is an all-out onslaught against the church to say, you know what? Let's blend this all together. Let's make this all one to the point that we can't tell where the world ends and the church begins or the church ends and the world begins because everything is all just put together and mixed up so much that nobody can tell the difference one from the other. Sadly, so many have bought into the notion that we have to become like the world in order to win the world, and nothing could be further from the truth. The hungry go where there is food. The satisfied go where they're pacified. And we have, we have become a nation Even more than a nation worldwide where there are so many that are satisfied with being pacified and at the same time they are spiritually starving to death because there is no meat in the house. There's no bread in the house. There's simply a little bit of milk that's fed them and keeps them alive, but it does not help them to grow. That's why we must preach the Preach the truth in love. There is never a reason for a man to stand behind a pulpit and condescend to the people sitting in the pew. No, we're all sinners saved by grace. We've all come from the same place. We've all got backgrounds that maybe we wish we could change, but we all were born into sin, and every one of us needs a Savior. But not everyone will reach out to the Savior. The church isn't called to make the sinner comfortable. It's called to separate the sinner from his sin. God help us if the church becomes homogenized. God help us if the church begins to depend more on lighting and sound equipment and the right media and the right video systems. Amen. Surely those are bring in more people. Yes, it may bring in more people, but more people does not necessarily mean that you're growing a godly church. I'm not sitting here saying let's us four no more. We're going to make the, sure the four of us get to heaven. No, I want more people to come in. I want people off the streets to walk in, and I don't want them to feel uncomfortable when they're sitting in our midst. We, we ought to love them, we ought to show them how much God cares for them, but we cannot back down off of the doctrine of the Word of God that tells us that there are things that we must do if we want to make heaven our home. Just had this conversation with Brother Sully before church, and I said, you know what, music that moves the body but not the soul, we're missing the point. We've failed. If the message makes you feel good but doesn't convict you to the point of repentance of your sin, we have failed. And we live in a society that is so caught up in how something makes them feel rather than what it actually does to benefit them. I've had some back issues over the years. Praise God right now, I feel, I feel great, thank you, Lord, and I'm not knocking on wood, I'm thanking Jesus, amen. And I've had to deal with some pain relievers before, I've had to take some pain relievers and I take those pain relievers and man, all, all of a sudden I feel pretty good, I can move around, I can go to work, I can get things done. But, but about eight hours into that pain reliever, all of a sudden something starts happening, I start stiffening up again. I, I start hurting again. I start uh, feeling that pain come back. Why? Because it's not really done anything but cover up and mask the, the, the pain. It, it's gone to the source, and it's blocked out the pain, but it's not taking care of the problem. God, help us if we become a church that just masks the pain instead of worrying about the problem. we got to worry about the root problem, which is sin in our life. And if we can get rid of the sin, the problem will go away. Yes, yeah. Last week's message was important because it talked about reminding us that the altars are important. We have to have a place where we're willing to sacrifice where we're willing to lay some things down, where we're willing to give some things up in order to open this hand so God can put something better than what we currently have in our hands in our hand from Him. (coughs) He's never called His church to blend in. But over and over, He calls us out. He calls us to shine. He calls us to be a separated people, a people who refuse to be a part of unclean things. That doesn't mean we have to be rude. He's not calling us out to... to to be snobby. I I think that God's people ought to be the friendliest people in town. I think that we ought to be known for how much we love and care for people, how patient we are with people. I don't think that we ought to turn our nose up against somebody that, that is not just like us or we're not just like them and say, no, they don't belong. No, I think the church should be inclusive of anybody that walks through its door. But I don't believe that the church ought to say, come on in, but don't worry about changing because God's okay with that. No, the church needs to preach the truth with love so that people that walk in and feel that convicting power have a place to go and say, God, I give this to you. I'm wise enough to know that I've made mistakes, that I'm I'm, I'm not perfect, that I need help. The worst thing about a a kid that's trying to do a project that's over his head is, is, is when he feels like he doesn't want anybody to help him. I don't need any instruction. What do you wind up with? You wind up with a mess. That's what you wind up with. But a child that will say, you know what? Dad, since you're sitting there... Could you help me? I'm not sure which side this goes on. I'm not sure how to attach this. I'm not sure what wrench to use or what what pencil or art or brush to use or whatever the project might be. It doesn't really matter what the project is. But a child that is willing to have the Father instruct them and lead them and guide them is a child that will learn how to do it on his own. Paul gave them, in Corinthians, four verbal charges. He said, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. He said, come out from among them. He said, be ye separate and touch not the unclean thing. All four concern separation. Separation. We are in the world, but not of the world. We're stuck here, Mal. <laughs> I was born June 4th, 1967 for 54 plus years. I have been stuck on this planet. I've had some good days and some bad days. I've had some victories and some failures. I've had some problems. I've had some successes. I've had all kinds of things happen in 54 years. This is life. We are stuck here. I I am here until I either pass from this life or Jesus Christ splits the clouds wide open and comes and receives his church back to him. Uh, But until that day, I've got to be here. You ever had to be in a place that you really didn't want to be? Everybody says, yeah, Monday morning when I walk through the door and punch the time clock. I'm here, but I don't want to be. Sometimes we do some things and we go to some places that we really don't want to be that's really not all that enjoyable but it is necessary. There's times when we have to Punch the time clock, and that's the way I look at it a lot of times. I, I wake up every morning and say, God, this is another day. Lord, I, I don't know what I may face today. I don't know what, what challenges I may have today, I, but uh, Lord, whatever you want me to do, lead and guide my footsteps. Put the right people in front of me. God, direct me to certain places that I need to go to, whether I feel you're directing me or not. Let me be sensitive to your will, because at the end of this day, I am one day closer to you getting me out of here. Now, I don't have a death wish or anything like that. I'm not driving 95 around curves that go 45, just like, I'm done with this life. I enjoy serving the Lord. I enjoy working for the kingdom of God. I enjoy being around uh, my family and my friends and my church family and all those things. These are all great things, but I cannot forget that there's a better day that is coming. There's a day that is coming for his people who are called out and separated, not just from something, but unto something. He brings us out to set us upon a hill to be a beacon for the lost, for those that are going through storms, to know which way to turn when they're looking for a safe haven. The church should not be a place where people are beaten down, browbeaten, and and hammered into the ground. No, the church needs a be a place where the sinner can walk in, where the first-time visitor can walk in, where the where, where the lost family member can walk in, and they can feel safe and loved and comforted, but they also can find direction and truth. Yeah. Yeah. Some people want a better life. They want a different life. They don't want to live the way. They just don't know how to get out of where they're at. Well, for us to get out of where we're at, sometimes we've got to let go of where we're at. We've got to let him move us forward. Paul said, you need to separate yourself from some things. Can you imagine if nothing were separated when you went to the grocery store? I mean, I have a tough time, and even now. I went to, uh, out here to our local grocery store with my wife the other night. We were doing a little shopping for my mother. We get her a few groceries. And anytime time my wife says, um, I'm going to go with you, I'm like, yes, because I'm lost. I am lost. And she'll take that thing. She knows exactly where everything is, and I just follow her around like a little, like a little puppy dog. <laughs> Which way? Left? Okay, let's go left. Okay. Uh, down this aisle? Okay. And I just follow her around. I have a tough time with... Everything being separated right now. But can you imagine, imagine this, if you will, that you walked into Walmart and they just backed the truck up and they said, all right, Sam, take off. And he just took off and all the groceries, this canned good, the bread, <coughs> everything just flew out of the back of that truck into a big pile right in the front of the front doors of the local grocery store. And you had to go there and you had to dig through everything to try to find what you were looking for. I would never, I'd starve to death. Or eat whatever was on top, the top layer. Mm -hmm, I guess we're having sardines today. I mean, can you imagine if things were just all mixed together? Nothing was separated. You walked in and everything's piled up in the middle of the store. People were just rooting through trying to find whatever they, it was that they wanted. Kind of like some of these uh, scenes that you see at Christmas time when people are just going crazy looking for the last tickle me elmo and they're elbowing each other. Everybody's just going nuts. Or you need a part for your car and you walk down to the local car parts store and you tell them, oh, I need this light bulb for such and such. And they're like, hey, it's over in that pile somewhere. Good luck to you. We just got everything piled up. Well, you don't have it on shelves? No, we don't separate anything here. We just pile it all together and let you you try to figure it out on your own, but you know what? We do have cheap prices. (laughs) Just help yourself. No, we understand the value of separation. There is value. Separation brings organization, and organization is the first step towards restoration. There's some things that if we put them in order in our lives, they will automatically direct us to a better place. Now, I know there's some things that are complicated. I know there's some situations that, you know, you you don't turn a large ship around on a dime that it takes Sometime, you know, you can't live for the devil for 40 years and expect God to fix all of the problems you've created over those 40 years in the next uh, four hours. It, you know, he can fix your spiritual problem, but some of the other things may take a while for him to turn around. But we've got to be patient and allow God to work with us and take what we can do and put it into practice and motion in our lives. Sometimes God says, "There's something very simple I need you to do." He said God, "That's hard." He said, "I didn't say it wasn't hard. I just said it was simple." Wow. Not everything that is simple means that it's easy. But God will give us some simple instructions sometimes, and then we are so accustomed to doing things our own way fulfilling the lust of the flesh, our own desires that when God asks us to do anything that is out of the ordinary, it seems to be an inconvenience until we get to the place and realize, wow, this is great. This is, I never knew this existed. Have you ever found a restaurant or, or a store that, that you had never heard of, or somebody tells you about a place and you walked in, you had no idea what you were walking into, and all of a sudden you walked in like, this is awesome. I love it here. You can have that same kind of experience with God. People don't understand God. People don't know God. They don't know what it is that they're missing until they begin to do some of the things that God asked them to do, and then they get to that place and say, wow, I never knew this existed. This is awesome. I'll never forget one particular man down that was a church here who got the Holy Ghost one night. He'd never received it. He'd been seeking for it, and his, his life, uh, he had some problems in the background, and he told me, he said, man, when I walked home that night, I felt like I was walking on clouds. I didn't realize that I could feel this good. That's the big shocker is that God wants you to feel good. God wants you to give, have a great life. God wants you to be blessed, but there's some things that we must put into order. not about God being cruel or demanding. It's about Him setting boundaries in our lives so that He can begin to put us back together again. I don't know about anybody else, I can only speak for myself, but I will say this, my life was a shambles when I brought it to God. I tried to do things myself. I don't need your help. And all by the time I I had brought what I had to him, it was a bunch of pieces, a bunch of fragments. I had messed it up so bad. God had to take it and rearrange some things, and He began to put things back into place one thing at a time, you could feel him doing it. It didn't happen overnight, but, but there were some things that you could feel were taking place. And, and everything that he began to do just began to put me in the right direction and point me in the right direction. And God began to place some things in life, in my life that I'd been missing and things that were out of place and some things that we don't need this anymore. Or, That's not doing us any good. Let's get rid of this. This doesn't even belong in your life. He began to take those things. And I just said, God, I was at the point where I was desperate. Whatever you need to do, you just do it. I give you carte blanche. I don't, I've messed up my life so bad. I'm not going to try to do it by myself anymore. Paul uses an analogy of an ox and a mule, for music would come. He said, you don't put an ox with a mule and try to plow, pl- plow your field. Why? Why? Because you're going to have trouble. Just certain things that don't belong together. He's as strong as an ox. He's got the power to pull that plow. He's as stubborn as a mule. He's got such a stubborn will that he'll sit there and make that ox not only pull that plow, but pull the mule down the field too. That's why we teach our young people, don't get mixed up with the first guy that bats his eyes and winks at you. Just because he's kind of cute, you better find out if he loves the Lord or not. You better find out if he's on the same page spiritually as you are, if not better than you are. You don't date that girl just because she's the cheerleader, just because she's pretty, or just because she's the only one that'll have you. You find somebody that God puts you together with. I can't I can't think of any better example today than Brother and Sister Bishop sitting right here on our own, own pews. We had the great honor of marrying Brother Glenn Bishop to Sister Joanne Carter at the time. And it, they weren't in their early twenties. Late fifties, right? that close enough? We're just going to go with that? (laughs) I can barely remember my my own birthday sister, I I sure can't remember. But I remember Brother Glenn talking to me, he said, you know, he he said early on, he said, he said, uh, I, I had a girlfriend, and he said, I can't remember the story, but basically, When that relationship ended, he said, God, I I don't trust myself. I don't trust myself to pick out the right woman to become my wife. And so I'm going to wait until you pick her out for me. And I'm sure when he said that, he was thinking like six months from now, God, just give me enough time to get over this, then I'm ready to move forward. But years go by. And then decades go by, and he's just still loving God, still doing what he can for the Lord, still putting one foot in front of the other, just chugging on, when all of a sudden God says, okay, now. Now. And when he knew it, he knew it. <laughs> Smart man, he's shaking his head Yes. Quite the duo, the bishops. Fiercely competitive on the golf course with each other. And I tell you what, you can't be around this man for more than five minutes without knowing that he desperately loves the wife that the Lord has given him. It's a beautiful thing to let God keep you from some things because he has a special purpose for you somewhere else. Now, Brother Glenn is not a bad-looking guy. He could have found somebody to say, I do, to a long time ago. Sister Joanne could have found somebody to walk down the aisle with a long time ago. But they were all right just serving God, letting him separate them from some things because God had a bigger plan further down the road. Don't miss what God has for you because you've grasped a hold of something that you wanted for yourself, and it's kept you off of the path, the intersection where you would have met God's perfect will for your life, but if you have, God has a way to restore that. The plan is still simple. We can go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38 very, very easily and just tell you what they were being convicted of was the sinful feeling that they had for crucifying Jesus Christ. They said, what must we do? Peter said, hey, you gotta repent of your sins, be baptized every one of you. Not just the elite, not just the Jews, not just the Gentiles, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's just the beginning. That's not, that's not the end of the story. That's where your story just really begins. Because God has things that he wants to do. So when he decides, To do those things, don't be so ready to hang on to the old life, the old habits. Let him separate. Don't don't become a homogenized Christian that says, God, I'll give that up because that doesn't mean that much to me. but, But this over here I've had for a while. This is kind of a security blanket that I've held on to. This anger issue or this bitterness over here or this problem or this addiction. I've had this for a long time and that's not going to be so easy give it up. Allow him to separate you from those things that are only going to hurt you. Paul said, as I close today, he said, I'm separated unto the gospel, he understood that when he was called out of his old way of thinking, when he was called out of going around grabbing Christians and throwing them into the jail, when he had his on the road to Damascus experience, it gave him new purpose. It wasn't just for him to be saved and know who Jesus was. And, no, God gave him a purpose. He called him out and then he called him. Unto. Would you stand with me today? I us to sing this song. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.